Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. All my church family here and all those online. Uh, listen, we still have one more service and what baptism is, like Pastor Johnny said, it's an, it's an outward declaration of an inward decision. For those of you who've surrendered your life to Jesus, received his free gift of salvation, man, go public with it. I remember when uh, my wife and I started dating uh, some 15 years ago, uh, Facebook was a thing back then, but it was only for college students, and it wasn't, you know, the, the, the monolith controlling, you know, entity that it is today. And so she was like, I need you to get off MySpace and go and make it public on Facebook. I was like, I don't want Facebook. I don't care about Facebook. But she forced me, and then, so I put it up there, and there was all this celebration, like, Eric, finally, you're in a relationship with someone. We're, we're waiting about time. But like, I made this public declaration that I was in a relationship with someone that I love, but, but today they made a public declaration that they are in a relationship with the God of all creation. And so if you've, if you've never made that declaration, I encourage you. We have one final service. Come talk to one of our pastors. Go to our Connect Center. We'd love to, to get you equipped and prepared so that we can celebrate the new life that you have found in Jesus. Hey, speaking of this good news, the, the gospel of Jesus, we just completed a series last Sunday talking about this good news. And, and the verse that we looked at every single week was John 3.16. Well, today we're starting a new teaching series. And so I want to I wanna jump in another 3.16. If you'd turn your attention to the screen or look at your apps, I want to look at Luke 3.16. The context is John the baptizer. He wasn't a Baptist. There was no denominations back then, but, but he baptized these followers of God. And, and then he said this. He said this in John 3.16. He said, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. There, there is someone greater than me. There's someone greater than all the prophets of the past who is coming, who's so worthy, who's so holy that, that we, we can't even touch his dirty sandals. Listen to this. When he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Someone say Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit and with fire. I'm Eric again. I'm one of the pastors here. And today I want to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell some ghost stories. Now, it's October. Halloween is next Sunday, okay? And it doesn't matter if you like scary movies or not. If you turn on the television, if you open up your favorite app, they showcase all of these scary ghost stories from now until the end of October. Does anyone here like scary movies by show of hands? Perfect place for imperfect people. I love them. I love them. We got four people. The rest of you, your saints, you're like, no, I only watch TBN and the Hallmark Channel. Like, I love ghost stories, and I'll tell you why, because I am not afraid. I'm like Ray Parker Jr., I ain't afraid of no ghost. <laughs> Only people over 40 laughed at that one, like, who's Ray Parker Jr.? The Ghostbusters theme song, man. I'm not afraid of ghosts, I'm not afraid of demons, I'm not afraid of hell, I'm not afraid of death. Do you know why? Because I have Jesus. 
I have Jesus' love in my life. I've been set free forever. I don't need to be afraid of those things. And so today, we're going to tell some ghost stories, but they're not scary ghost stories. They're not those scary movies or shows that when you look at your app, they're on there. We're not going to tell ghost stories of, of demons filling little dolls named Chucky or Annabelle. And we're certainly not going to tell ghost stories of little Asian girls crawling out of your TV, you know, to get you to watch a VHS tape. No, we're going to tell some ghost stories that are true. Some ghost stories that aren't scary and are true. We're going to tell some stories about a ghost who's actually with us right now. We're in this series called Ghost Stories That Aren't Scary. And, and, and my hope and my prayer as we've been preparing for this is over the next four more weeks, five weeks altogether, that the presence of God, the person of God, the Spirit would reveal himself to all of us in a way that, that isn't scary, that isn't spooky, that isn't weird. Because let's be honest, how many of us, when we think of the Holy Ghost, maybe we have some thoughts or some memories that were just a little bit weird. Any, anyone brave enough to, to raise your hands? You're not going to offend God. You're not going to offend me. This is why we're in this series, to understand the person of the Holy Spirit so that we are not spooked out by him. See, I grew up in a whole lot of different churches growing up. And the first church that I attended as a child, um, I didn't learn a whole lot about Jesus, but, but I saw a whole lot of pictures of Jesus. And these pictures of Jesus were pictures of Jesus being defeated and bloodied and crucified. And so in my young, you know, like fourth, fifth grader mind, I thought, oh, this is why the church is so dead because the, their savior is dead. All they do is show, oh, poor Jesus, pobrecito, he's on the cross. And, and so then, then I started going to another church. My parents took me to another church. And this church, although they did talk about the death of Jesus, they far more celebrated his resurrection. This, this was a more lively church than the previous church that I went to. They had pictures of Jesus, but Jesus wasn't bloodied and dying and hanging on a cross. Jesus was like teaching little kids and smiling at them in the pictures or holding up a lamb. And so we, we saw, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And so I knew who Jesus was. He was the son. And I knew who God was. He was the father. But then after my parents got divorced, I started going to church exclusively with my mom. And she took me to a charismatic church. <laughs> some of you are laughing. Some of you are, oh, because you know what I mean. This was a very lively church. This church was more exciting than the previous two that I had come from. I didn't have to kneel or stand to do hand motions or anything like that. But, but like when the Holy Spirit came down upon those services, people got out of their seats. People would run down the aisles. They, they would pray longer and they would pray louder. And oftentimes they'd pray all together in languages that I could not understand. Are you speaking Korean or Spanish, I don't know what you're saying right now. You know, people, they brought their own instruments. Don't bring your own instruments, okay? It's not because it's against the Bible. It's because it messes up the band when you're playing your tambourine offbeat or blowing your shofar. Poo -poo. Like, it was a little bit weird for me. And then people would lay hands on people and they'd fall back. And they, it was just, it was, it, was, it was weird. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And some of you had an experience like that. And you're saying, yeah, yeah, it was weird. Or some of you, you're saying, no, that's not weird. Like, that, that's what I grew up. That's what I was used to. And now you feel weird around other people because they think that you're weird. I, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about these, these extremes that we see in the body of Christ today. Bring some clarity to who 
the Holy Spirit of God is. See, we have these extremes, and on one side of the extreme, we have these, these Christians, these followers of Jesus that, that overestimate and, and, and overexample the Holy Spirit. Like everything is the Holy Spirit. Everything is the Holy Ghost. Oh, did you feel that? Oh, oh, that was the Holy Ghost coming through here like a mighty rushing wind. Oh, did you see the lights flicker? That, that was the Holy Ghost. He's present. He wants to speak to us. Everything was the Holy Ghost. And if it wasn't the Holy Ghost, then it was the demons, right? Oh, oh did you feel that? Oh, no, no. My, the, the hairs on my neck are saying, we got to bind that and cast it out in Jesus' name. And so it's very supernatural. But on the other extreme, you have people who, who underemphasize the presence of God. And they're saying, Oh yeah, that light flickering? Oh, that was predetermined from the foundations of the earth for that to happen. They over-explain. They can explain everything and they don't leave a mystery to God when the Bible says, who can know him fully? I grew up in these churches at these extremes where one church, the Trinity was Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. In another church, it was the Father, Son, and the Holy Word. There was no Holy Spirit there. And we have these extremes and we, ha we have these, these leanings towards people. But who is the Holy Spirit? Why is he here? What does he do? If we follow one of those extremes, ultimately they are unhealthy and unbiblical and not the life that Jesus has called us to live. I mean, if you just look at this and you compare the word of God to Christians today, what we see in the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not really what we see practiced in a lot of churches, not really what we see lived out in the lives of the followers of Jesus today. A lot of it's natural. A lot of it can be explained with logic, when the Holy Spirit is supernatural, when the kingdom of God is supernatural. See, I say supernatural, and some of you, you're a little bit scared. We're going to tell ghost stories that aren't scary. See, I'm not trying to scare anyone, but the world we live in is supernatural. And the Bible says that we have a supernatural enemy. In John 10.10, 10, it says that the enemy, he, he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy but again, I don't fear that. And we don't have to fear our enemy, Satan, because he cannot do that to a follower of Jesus. He cannot steal our salvation. He cannot kill our hope. He cannot destroy our destiny or the calling that God has on our life. But you know what he can do? And you know what he does do? He distracts us. He deceives us. He's the great deceiver, Jesus calls him. And he deceives us, making us believe that we can do all of these things all on our own. And we focus on our strength and our wisdom and our intellect and our ability instead of the Spirit of God. He deceives, he distracts. Turn to someone next to you, look him in the eyes. Tell him, but you're not dumb. You're not dumb. Doesn't that feel good? You're not. See, there, there's a, a, a sense, a feeling that something is missing. When we look at 
our walk with Jesus, when we look at the influence of the body of Christ, the church, there is this overwhelming sense that something is missing. And it's not the production, okay? We get that down. It's not the polish, we got that down. And there's nothing wrong with production, or nothing wrong with polish, but, but something is missing that brings power. In fact, this sense has been so strong over the past 10 to 15 years that now we are seeing a lot of people walk away from the faith, leave the church, because what the church talks about is not practical to my everyday living. It doesn't deal with what I'm going through. And what the church talks about is only in word, but it's not in power, and it doesn't help me with what I'm experiencing. And personally, when we look at the church, we see people who struggle with the same sin that other people struggle with, that go through the same difficulties, that don't have a relationship but settle for a religion I don't know about you, but I'm tired of that. So I want this something. In fact, it's not a something that's missing. It's someone. It's the Holy Spirit of God. We've been living by our own strength, by our own power for so long that now the church just looks like everyone else. Let me tell you a scary story, okay? This one is a very scary story for me, and I'll make it very brief. I'll just share this scary story in one word, but I warn you, it may terrify you. Can I share? Parents of children, you may want to cover their ears right now as I share this very scary word. Butterflies. <laughs> Butterflies. You may be saying, why the butterflies aren't scary? To you... I'm not afraid of Satan or demons or death or hell or scary movies, but I am deathly afraid of butterflies. It's an irrational fear. I know it is, and I know exactly where it came from. I went to Butterfly World when I was a little kid, and I wasn't really paying attention to the tour guide. All I heard was, some butterflies are poisonous. If you eat them, you will die. And I'm like, oh, now now all these, these, these little fluttering, beautiful demons are out to kill me, they're out to get me. I've had this irrational fear since I was a little kid, and my wife loves to rub it in my face. Uh, when there's a butterfly, she points it out. And, and listen, for those of you who have fears, phobias, or irrational fears like I do, like it's unbearable sometimes. I'm like, ah, I get paralyzed. I'm like, get away from me. Oh my gosh. It's just like terrifying to me. And so a few years ago, we were at the flower show at Epcot Center. My kids were with us. And my wife, uh, she saw the butterfly exhibit and wanted to make fun of me in front of my children and said, come on, kids, come on. Love, let's go and see the butterflies. I'm like, really? You're going to do this to me in front of the kids? So I'm trying to be calm, trying to be cool, collected, and we're walking through this butterfly pavilion, and they're all flying around. And she recorded a video, which I will not show to you, and Jessica, I forbid you to show it on social media, because I'm, I'm deathly terrified. I'm walking through there. I'm like, oh, Jesus, please, 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 please. I'm like, I'm freaking out. My anxiety is at 100. But something happened that day, something that hasn't gotten me over, but helped me to see my foolishness and helped me to see who I am often when it comes to the Spirit of God. See, a lot of you, you've learned this growing up. 
Um, you've seen it probably, but because I was so afraid of butterflies, I didn't want to hear about butterflies. I didn't want to see the life cycle of butterflies, but I finally got to see it. They had this section where the butterflies weren't flapping around because they were coming out of their cocoons. And so I, I decided that I'm going to be safe in this area. I don't have to worry about one of them landing on my shoulder. And I'm looking at these cocoons. And as I see these cocoons and as I see these, these, these butterflies breaking out of them, I also see the caterpillars around them. And it hit me in that moment. That caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Again, you know this, okay? <laughs> this is just for me. That chubby, slow, dirt crawling caterpillar transforms into, to you, a beautiful butterfly that can fly. And in that moment, I, I realized this is how I am often. Inside of me, I am something new. For those of you who were baptized today, you are a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, all things have become new. But how often do I still crawl around in the dirt like a caterpillar? How often do I still struggle and move slow when God has created me with the ability to fly? So I want that. I need that. I want what God has for me. So I want you to write this down. God has given us help to do all he has for us. I need this. I need some help to stop crawling in the dirt and being all that God has called me to be. And God has given us help to do all he has for us. John 14, 16, Jesus is speaking. Listen to what he says. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another what? Say it out loud. Helper to be with you forever. Not to come when things are convenient, not to leave when things get difficult, but a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. This was me. This was many of us. I'm new inside. I'm a new creation, but I'm not surrendered to his spirit. I don't know that he's within me, but says, you know him, for he dwells with you and Jesus, Jesus said this before he resurrected. He said, and he will be in you. John 16, 7, listen to what he says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus never lies. Every word that Jesus says is intentional. He says, I'm telling you the truth. It is to your advantage, to your benefits. It is a blessing to you that I leave you and go be with the Father. Why? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Jesus says it's our advantage that he leaves because he'll send us our helper, the Holy Spirit. This may shock some of you, but Jesus is not in your heart. I believe that growing up, I invited Jesus into my heart and he came and took residence in my heart, but Jesus is not in my heart. The Bible says that he is at the right hand of our Father in heaven, preparing a place for us in our home eternal called heaven. 
When we surrender our lives and receive this free gift of love and salvation through Jesus, he doesn't shrink down to the size of a poly pocket or a little Lego and live in one of the chambers of our heart. Jesus is not in your heart, young ones. I want you to hear this so. But his spirit is. This is why Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, even though he said that and resurrected and ascended to be with the Father. He can say, I will never leave you because his spirit is with us. His spirit is within us. When, when we say that Jesus is with us, that's his Holy Spirit. When we say that Jesus is within us, that is his Holy Spirit. His spirit is with us Always, we have a helper. Say helper again. Helper. Helper. That word in the Greek is parakletos. It comes from two words combining one. Para, where we get the word paralegal. It's to mean, it means to be beside or to be within. And the word kaleo, which means to be called to. So the spirit of God is literally the one who has been called to be in and be within the believer of Jesus. He's our helper. And he helps us by being with us always. I want you to think about that. Think about your life. Think about your attitude. Think about how you present yourself. Do you live in such a way where you have a helper with you always? I shared an example last service. I will not share this service because I realize it, it made, uh, gave people permission to speed. The example I was going to give was that one of my friends is a high-ranking official in a police department. And when I'm in the car with him, I feel confidence that it's okay that I speed. I'm not going to share that in this service because I realize that is a bad example. <laughs> so I want to give another example. My father-in-law, Bob, he is a retired fi firefighter chief. And even though he's retired, he still operates in that role wherever he goes. And so when I'm with my father-in-law, when I'm with Bob, I don't fear a thing. I, I literally don't. When Bob is with me, if someone wants to attack me, Bob will take care of them. <laughs> if there's a problem, Bob will come up with a solution. If I need help or someone else needs help, Bob is there to provide help. Literally, if a neighbor's house goes into flames, Bob will grab a hose and put out the fire until the fire truck comes. Who does that? Bob does. And so when Bob is with me, whom shall I fear? I don't need to be afraid. This one time I'm driving with my father-in-law and we see a car accident. And in my mind, and again, bad pasture, good example. I'm like, oh man, that stinks. And I continue to drive. He says, turn around and pull over. I'm like, yes, sir. I turn around and pull over. And he runs to the car and there's, he's okay. This little boy is okay. But in the back seat, there was this little boy who didn't have his seatbelt on fully. And his head hit the front seat. And so he's bleeding. And I'm looking. And my father-in-law says, I want you to put pressure on there. And I'm afraid of blood. Like I, <laughs> butterflies and blood. Bring on the scary movies. Bring on Jason Voorhees. I'm not afraid of that. But those two things, I'm terrified. I'm like, Bob, Bob I can't do that. And this kid, his head's a little bit crushed in. And I'm like, oh, what, what is going to happen? But Bob is cool. 
cool, calm, and collected. He puts a pressure on. He says, everything is going to be all right. And he just begins to talk to this kid. <laughs> and then this lady starts praying for this kid. I'm like, oh, I'm a terrible pastor, man. I'm so freaked that some other lady's praying. My father-in-law's helping the situation. The police and the fire department came and, and Bob said, hey, you're in good hands now. You're going to be okay. The kid is okay. But like, I'm with Bob and that's what happens. We don't have a Bob. We have someone better. Think about the presence of God always with you. How would you walk? How would you talk? How would you live in confidence? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And so I know it's hard for us when we think of spirit. We think, oh, okay, it's a mist. It's, it's, it's a wind. But what if Jesus was with you? What if Jesus was literally by your side every moment of your life? How would you live your life? And I'm not saying would you sin, would you? I'm saying how would you walk in confidence? If you were sick, you could say, Jesus, I don't feel well. He'll lay hands on you and heal you in the moment. If you're overwhelmed, he would speak a word of peace over you. If you're walking your dog and it got off the leash and it got hit by a car and died, Jesus could literally resurrect that dog on the spot. Or if you're not spiritual and you have a cat and fell out of a tree, he could perform the funeral right there. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Cats are animals too. Just a fact. <laughs> Think about that. How would we live our lives knowing the truth that he's with us always? In Matthew 28, before Jesus ascends to be at the right hand of the Father to prepare a place for us for eternity. He gives this great commission, this calling to every single one of us who follow him. He said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of every nation. I don't want you to make uh, just fans. I want you to make followers of Jesus, my followers. I want you to teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Don't want you to stay quiet. I want you to be with them and, and, and work with them and walk with them to teach them and to disciple them. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. And then he says this. He says, and lo, I am with you always even until the end of the age. Again, he's not a liar. He's with us always. Until this world ends, he's with us. That's his promise. That we have his presence. That we have his power. Anywhere. Everywhere. Always. But how many of us are still crawling in the dirt? How many of us, we look nothing different than the world around us? The world needs hope. The world needs the love of Jesus. But when they look at the church, do they see anything attractive? Do they see anything different? Do they desire to have what we have? Too many of us were bound to the same sin that others are. Too many of us, we struggle with the same anxiety and fears 
that the world fights against. Too many of us, we've settled for religion and religious beliefs instead of an actual relationship with God. Too many of us are okay crawling in the dirt when God has given us the ability and a helper so that we can fly. So who is the Holy Spirit? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the who and the what he does and why and how. And I believe it's going to be a time of transformation for all of us. I believe that for those of us who have ears to hear, if we surrender to his leading, that we're going to experience a relationship like never before. But we need to understand who he is today. See, the Bible talks about the Spirit of God over 800 times. And the first time we see the Spirit of God is in the first chapter, second verse of the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1-2. Right at the beginning, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. There was nothing existing, but yet the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That word in the Hebrew is translated ruach, and what it means is a mighty rushing wind, a violent exhalation. It is, it is a powerful breath. Right there in the beginning, we see that when God created the heavens and the earth, it was God, the Spirit, that did it. Ruach. And then in the New Testament, and the Greek, when we hear the word spirit, it's the word pneuma. And what that means is the same thing. It is a powerful force of wind. It is a violent exhalation of breath. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with power. God spoke and things were created. God commanded and things came into being. In the Old Testament, we see that the Spirit of God would descend upon people and then depart from them. He didn't always stay. When we see with Saul, King Saul, remember him? The predecessor to King David. There'd be times where Saul was good and there'd be times where Saul was cray-cray. And those times where Paul went off the rocker is when the Spirit of God departed from him because he wanted to do things in his own strength and he wanted to do things on his own power. And so the Spirit of God left him because he wasn't surrendered to the will of God. And then we see with David, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, David, a man after God's own heart, he's committed a sin, a grave sin. He's murdered a man, and he prays, God, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. We see the Holy Spirit descending and departing in the Old Testament. But then in the New Testament, where the promise, Jesus has come, we see that the age of 30, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and equipped him for ministry. The Spirit of God equipped the Son of God God, to do the work of God and then from that point on we see the spirit coming down upon the believers to work in creative power to show power to give power we'll talk about this power in a few weeks but even though the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove he's not a dove in Acts chapter one, when we see the Holy Spirit 
descend upon the followers of Jesus in the upper room. He came like a mighty rushing wind. He came like a fire. He is not a wind or a fire. And even though he comes with power, the Holy Spirit is not a power. He's the person of God. We'll talk about who the Holy Spirit is and how he wants to operate in our lives and what it looks like for a church and a people to be surrendered. But today, we have to understand that he's not a power. He's a person. I want you to write this down. The Holy Spirit is not it, but who? Ruach, Numa, the Spirit of God is not a wind. He's not a dove. He's not a fire. He's a person. He's a third person of God. And just because he's a third person of God doesn't mean he's the bronze winner. Doesn't mean he's a third ranked. He is very literally God the creator, all-encompasser, holy in spirit. And he's with you. And he's in you. Always. He doesn't depart. He doesn't leave you when things aren't going good. He doesn't come down when the pastor preaches a fire word. He, he doesn't make you feel things. You know, when, when that song that, that, that I love, they sang. No, he's the presence of God with us. Always. For everyone who's surrendered their life to Jesus... For everyone who made a public declaration today of baptism, you have the Spirit of God. Look what it says in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see that we receive the Spirit of God when we surrender our lives to Jesus. Christian, do you know that you have the Spirit of God? His Spirit is not for special Christians. We don't get this gift of His Spirit for being good. We get the Holy Spirit because God is good. And God longs to give us a helper to give Him glory. And for us to be in intimate relationship with Him. Everyone who follows Jesus is filled with his spirit. Here's the second part of that point. When will we surrender to him? When will we surrender? Because if we ask him, he'll lead us. If we surrender... We'll see transformation. But the reality is a lot of us, we don't want to surrender. If we're honest, we don't want to give away control to anyone or anything. Forget Halloween, that's scary. Losing control? Because again... We fear the Spirit of God. We're afraid of a life surrendered to Him because we don't understand who He is and why He's come. And we've only seen these examples and they've seemed strange because 
They are supernatural. And some of us were afraid of that. We ask these questions. What, what would happen if I surrendered fully to him? What if he asked me to do something that I'm afraid to do? The, the example that so many of us give. What if he calls me to, to uproot my family and move to Africa and become a missionary? What if he tells us and leads us to do something that is uncomfortable? Can, can I answer that question right now? He will. Maybe he won't call you to uproot your family and quit your job and be a missionary, but he will lead you to the cross. The Spirit of God led Jesus to the cross, not Jesus to be verified on Instagram or to be the, the, the ruler of that time. The Spirit of God led Jesus to die for a purpose so that we could be set free. And the Spirit of God will lead us to the cross, to carry our cross, to die to ourselves for a purpose, to point people to Jesus. What if he, what if he leads me to somewhere painful? He, he will. Because for so much of our life, living on our own strength and our own power, we put on our armor, we've made ourselves invincible, or so we think. And so this process of pulling off these pieces and pulling off the pride and pulling off all, all the power that we think we have at times, it will be painful, but it will be worth it. Because it's the Spirit of God leading us to the will of God. So we have to ask this question. Do we even want that? You know, over the next four weeks, we're, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to mention the fruit of the Spirit. We did a whole series on it. We're, we're going to talk about the controversial gift of tongues. And we're going to talk about why the Holy Spirit is in us and what that looks like. And some of us are like, I'm a little bit afraid of that. I, I don't know that I want that. I don't know that I want to be that serious about my faith. I don't know that I want to be one of those Jesus freaks. All of us, we have to decide... Do we even want the will of God in our lives? Do we even want to walk in his will? Do we want the Holy Spirit leading us? Again, because if, if, if we surrender, he will lead us. And it will be worth it. But he's a filler. He's not a forcer. And so over the next several weeks, I hope you come back. But we're not going to force you. And I hope that you surrender your life to what he'd want to do. But he's not going to force you. But I can promise, because God's words promise, that if we do surrender, the world will take notice. And we will be different. Here's my prayer, my final point as we close today. Submitting my fears and surrendering my faith to the Holy Spirit of God will grow me more than I could ever imagine. Submitting my fears. Some of us, we have fears. Maybe you've come to this church because you thought this church was clean and tidy and nice and it's not weird. Listen, we're not trying to be weird. We're trying to be biblical. So surrender those fears to him. Lord, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're gonna lead me to do. But I, I want more of you. I need more of you. 
surrender your faith. Faith is not something that we have to direct our own lives. Faith is something that we surrender to God so that we can follow him wherever he may lead. God, I don't know what that means, but I give you my life. I'm not gonna be swayed by emotions. I'm not gonna be moved by the words of man. God, as we look at your word and as I see what you wanna do and what you've called your church to do, I surrender to it. I know that's not everyone in here, and that's okay. I would encourage you to keep on coming. God is growing you. As long as you continue to come and hear his word, he will grow faith in you. But for every single one of us who followed Jesus at some point in our lives, we will have to decide whether or not we are going to surrender to his spirit or continue to push his presence down and away and work on our own strength and power. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to follow the Lord. We're going to obey his spirit. Come what may. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.